Uh, this is Skip Lockwood, and you're listening to Mets Musing. I was a pitcher, a relief pitcher, a closer with the New York Mets. I have a new book out called Inside Pitch, Mets Musing. Thank you very much. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. And, and hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings number 321. We intended to do a live show on video as well as we normally do, but for whatever reason, having trouble again with the video, yeah, I, I don't know. Keep It works fine one week, and the next week it's, it's giving me a problem, so uh, I apologize for that. We're going to try to iron it out to go live again next week, but uh, until we get to that, uh, we are going to uh, just be an audio show this week, so look for that uh, as as your regular outlet. Uh, but, look, uh, when we last left you, the Milwaukee Brewers that came into town, Mets took two out of three. We knew they weren't going to not lose a game the rest of the season. And then Washington came into town. And the Mets had a 6-1 lead in the first game of the series, and it looked like uh, it looked good, it looked real good, it looked like they were going to run away with it, uh, bury those uh, Nationals, put them away for the season, and then the eighth inning came, disaster struck. The bullpen could not find home plate. I mean, literally, they didn't. They needed a GPS to find home plate, and. Um, the Mets lost that game, eight to six, after having a six to one lead. So Tuesday came around and they lost again. Did not play well. Clearly, they were bothered by what happened the night before, and that was the kind of game that could send a team into a tailspin. Very difficult game, um, you know. Uh, it's something that you don't want to see happen to you, but it can happen and send you into a major, major tailspin. So we come back to Wednesday night, and I happened to be at this game. Very cold, <laughs> uh, but... Did go, had a blast, may I say, and uh, it was just brutally, brutally cold there, but um, had a lot of fun, went with the group, uh, the Boardwalk Battalion group that we advertised the trip on, and uh, as I say, we had a very good time, and I'm very happy. It was a big success, went over big. And the Mets pulled off the upset, if you will. They come from behind in the eighth inning, just like the Nationals did on Monday. And they took care of the Nationals, beat them 11-5. The unsung hero for the Mets was uh, Paul Seawold, pitched three innings in relief and shut down the Nationals. I think they got one hit. And um, uh, Todd Frazier with another key hit to tie the game, won the Garris with a key hit to put the Mets ahead by two. And then, of course, the uh, big grand slam home run by Ioannis Cespedes to uh, seal the victory. And then uh, Seth Lugo came in in the ninth, and he gave up a home run at Jordan Zimmerman. And that's, uh, thusly, the score was 11-5. to So uh, Mets win 11-5, and they go to Atlanta happy. Not so good a start, though. Matt Harvey's pitching tonight, and Matt Harvey is pitching for a job, I believe. And I don't believe he's going to keep that job. Uh, Vargas is on his way back. He will be back very, very soon. The question is, 
who is pitching the worst in the rotation. And is it Wheeler? Wheeler had two couple of good outings. The last one wasn't as good as the first one, but it was okay. Better than what Harvey's been putting up. Mats. Mats was awful in the first inning last night and was good for the next three. He seemed to straighten it out. Harvey is down 3 nothing already in the first inning of the Thursday night game and um, quite frankly hasn't looked good at all. So where do we go? What happens? I certainly don't know. Um, all I can tell you is that uh, he's struggling. He doesn't look good. He looks like a lost pitcher. And they're going to have to do something to straighten him out. Or, or I don't know if they should send him down, send him to the bullpen. He has an option to go to the minors, but I think he has to approve. And I can't see Scott Boris allowing him to approve on a walk year. So I think they're stuck with him no matter what. So what do you do? Do you put him in a bullpen? Do you put him on a DL and, and send him to a rehab assignment and hope he gets it straightened out? Um, very curious, very difficult situation. What do you do with Mats then? Mats is, has looked a little bit better than Harvey, but not much. So do you, do you take Mats? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. But they got to get it straightened out. They got to get the rotation straightened out because they can't keep falling behind in these games and have to battle back. And they have to get more than five innings out of these pitchers. They're going to burn out the bullpen. So interesting, you know, um, last week the op op optimism was very high. And this week it's we're still optimistic. It's still a good year going. Uh, but there are some things that, that really were exposed this past week that need to be worked on, and, and hopefully uh, they will. Um, they need a catcher, I think. They have to trade. I, I do not like the combination of Lobaton and, and Nido. Lobaton doesn't hit, and Nido is clearly over his head. And that's a big junk, jump coming from double uh, uh, A to the major league. So I can understand why he is having, you know, a bit of a struggle. He, he's playing well defensively, but it's the offense. And and look, Bruce isn't hitting now. Cespedes is starting to warm up a little bit. Um, but they got to get these guys hot. And, you know, it's two outs at the bottom of the lineup between the pitcher and the catcher right now. So um, we'll see. They they are investigating different possibilities. Um, where that leads, who knows? It may not. They may not do anything until the uh, trading deadline. So it looks like we'll have to wait and see. The other thing, uh, Jose Reyes. Jose Reyes is zero for eighteen. He looks really bad at the plate. In fact, he looks like it's possibly finished. <laughs> uh, you hate to say anything like that, uh, but it may be time to hang it up. Mickey Calloway said he wants to get him more playing time. He's going to try to work him in to try to get him started. I don't know if you can get him started. I don't know whether there's anything left in the tank. Um, I guess they're going to do it. They're going to try to get him going and go from there then. And, and you know, good luck, I guess. But um, I just don't know. I, you just can't figure it out at all. And uh, so we'll have to wait and see uh, on Jose as well. But. Man, it's it's a possibility that he's finished and may have to consider making it easy on the Mets and just uh, hang him up. The Mets will find a job for him in in the uh, in the organization. He's very good with the younger players. I can see him being a coach and helping out with the Latin American ball players and. Uh, 
And, folks, uh, <laughs> the Mets are getting creamed tonight by the Atlanta Braves. Harvey is throwing batting practice. It's the third inning. It's 6 nothing. Atlanta and uh, Harvey, just he's throwing up meatballs there. So I, I don't know where you go with him. He, he, he can't make another start. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I just don't think he can make another start. Probably will, but I don't think he should. Um, does not look good. All right, uh, let's take a break and come back. This is an interview I did two days ago with the uh, Curtis Gill of the Atlanta Baseball Talk. He is the co-host of that podcast, and uh, he's going to inform us about the Braves. Um, we're watching them now, probably, but um, he is Curtis, and uh, he'll be on right after these messages. Hey, baseball fans and book fans as well. This is Frank Nappy, author of the Legend of Mickey Tussler series, inviting all of you to learn more about my protagonist, Mickey Tussler, an incredible pitching prodigy who has autism. Follow Mickey's journey as he captures the hearts of fans everywhere with his blazing fastball and indomitable spirit. Please visit Amazon or www.franknappy.com for more information. Hi, this is the world-famous Mr. Brewtown of BrewtownSports.Potomatic.com. You know, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, Plus. Uh, Brewtown Sports. You can also listen to the show at Stitcher.com, TuneIn.com, and iTunes.com. And we've got the new one. It's called BrewtownRadio.Webley.com. But the one that I'm most proud of being on is BaseballPodcast.net. It is the home of great baseball talk shows. Check it out, my show, and all kinds of other programs all about Major League Baseball. So check it out. That's BaseballPodcast.net, the home for great baseball talk shows. The Phillies and Mets rivalry has never been better. Hi, my name is Rich Baxter, and I host Phillies Talk Podcast. I hope you'll join me as we talk all about the Phillies all season long. That's Phillies Talk Podcast at fightinphillies.com. And now back to Gary Mack and this great edition of Mets Musings. Five one six six one nine six three four one. That is the comment voicemail hotline. If you'd like to be a part of the show and drop us a line, leave us a comment or a voicemail question, anything at all. Call that number five one six six one nine six three four one, or go to metsmusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen, and that's a speak pipe, and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone. Or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way, send us an email at metsmusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash Mets Musings, and the Twitter handle is at Mets Musings 1. And uh, if you'd uh, like to help out the show, check out our Patreon page. Check out the campaign at patreon.com slash Mets Musings. I'm joined this evening by uh, a person that's been on the show before. He is with Atlanta Baseball Talk. He's a co-host of that podcast, and he is Curtis Gill. And, Curtis, welcome back to Mets Musings. Always great to be here, Gary. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, Curtis, your Atlanta Braves are off to a uh, pretty good start this year. Um, not as good as the Mets, of course, but uh, they're right on <laughs> – they're gonna get that in. Way, there. To, way to throw, way to throw that in there. <laughs> they are right on the heels though, and uh, really playing some good baseball. And so, uh, I got to be honest with you: before the season started, with all the stuff that went on this winter, with the general manager being fired and the international signings, and all of that, I really thought they were going to be a mess this year. But they're proving me wrong. 
Yeah, luckily, some of the stuff that Capoella, the old GM who's now been banned for life, one of, I think, five guys banned for life from Major League Baseball. Um, one of the one of the things that they couldn't take away was all the talent that he had accumulated prior to all the cheating on the international draft that he did uh, the last year. So that's good. So all those guys are still in place and slowly but surely starting to come up. And we've gotten a taste of uh, we've got three or four of them, I guess, up in maybe five up and up on the team now and, and are all playing pretty well. It's sort of a mix. It's sort of like the team, not certainly going to compare it, but the team in the early 90s that sort of turned the corner for the Braves when you had some some veterans on the team and then the young talent started to, to work their way into um, the lineup. And and honestly, for the first time in a little while, the, the guys that have come up with a lot of hype have actually delivered on some of that hype. I know it's an early, it's early in the season, but uh, we've had the last couple of seasons some guys that we had some expectations for that did not deliver at all and have sort of flamed out of the organization. So it's good to see some guys come up and actually produce. And I hear that everybody's waiting for uh, uh, Acuna. I believe that's how you say his name to uh, be called up. But he's off to kind of a slow start, I hear. Yeah, uh, Acuna. It's with the with the tilde there. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, so they sent him down. Um, you know, one of those moves to um, keep him uh, under their. Uh, Thumb. you know, uh, control for an extra year. So he, they sent it, I mean, he killed it this spring and it was no surprise in Atlanta. And I, I was sort of shocked that people in baseball were shocked that it happened because frankly, every team does it. It doesn't matter if they're, you're the Yankees or the Cubs or the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. If you've got a guy uh, who's this talented and you can keep him under your control by sending him down for the first month of the season, you're going to do it. So, uh, but yeah, the, then he went down to Gwinnett, which is the AAA team uh, for Atlanta and has not hit very well at all. He's starting to heat up a little. It's sort of a joke now because they're, it's almost like they're using it as an excuse not to bring him up that he's not hitting as if, you know, batting 400 in spring training or whatever he did wasn't good enough. Um, so they're like, oh, well, there's no rush. He's pressing. And so we'll wait to see once he gets it all figured out in Gwinnett. Um, but he's already hit a home run and a double, I think, tonight and is sort of slowly getting it all back. They also, with the, with the International League, uh, I'm assuming the Mets have a team in the International League, too. They had the, the Braves played a game that was like the Legends game where they, mm -hmm. they played against all the young all-stars from all their farm system. And then they didn't play again. The minor league players didn't play again for like nine days. So um, as hot as he was, it was sort of a, a cooling off period, which he probably didn't need. Yeah, and that happens to young young hitters. It's so difficult, and and uh, as you say, the nine days off can really screw up everything, especially at that age. You know, you're you're a kid, and you know there's other things out there in life. Yeah, and you're and you're so keyed into on pitching and everything else. And I mean, you don't you don't you know you don't normally have a nine day break in baseball. I mean, that's that's that just doesn't happen. You have an all star break, but it's only three or four days. So to have nine days off is a pretty is a pretty good gap in time but i i imagine he will be up here very very soon steve one of the other guys that i do the podcast with actually had tickets to the game last night against the phillies here in atlanta because that was the projected <laughs> first night that acuna was going to be brought up and then went to the game anyway and but you know uh he was not there needless to say <laughs> and I, I must tell everybody that we are recording this a couple of days earlier, so we may be talking uh, uh, Phillies and, and Nationals uh, because of schedules. And uh, so uh, we are recording on Tuesday, and this will air on Thursday. Uh, but um, I'm checking out the stats, and I see that uh, Danby Swanson, who – uh, number one drown, uh, drown pick, a uh, <laughs> draft pick. <laughs> uh, a couple of years ago, he's off to a pretty good start this year after struggling last year a little bit. Yeah, and and he was uh, he was terrible, terrible. I mean, the exact opposite of Acuna this spring was Dansby Swanson. Just 
awful. And all the sort of the bad habits that he had, swinging at bad pitches. Uh, he's always had a problem with with pitches on the outside of the plate and um, seemingly made an adjustment some at the end of last year, but really sort of fell back into the same habits this spring. And so, you know, it's one of those things where you start to wonder, maybe the guy is just never going to be able to put it together. Um, he started off great um, his rookie year when he got brought up. And then he's, you know, the book got out on where to pitch him. And he really struggled last year, really struggled to the point where they sent him down to Gwinnett at one point. Um, so he obviously, you're, you're the shortstop is a vital position um, anyway. Um, but being a, you know, a former number one draft pick, he came over from Arizona in a trade. Um, and uh, so they really they needed him to produce. And, and he's producing now on a level that I don't think even in their wildest dreams they could have imagined he was going to do. Um, he is really he and and. Ozzy Albies, who is the rookie second baseman, who really is just he came up a little at the end of last year, but is really just getting to start the season this year. They're they're pretty dynamic um, at second and short right now. It's it's pretty awesome to watch. So you got those two guys uh, up the middle. And of course, uh, one of the guys I like to watch, even though I hate his guts. Well, I don't really hate him, but uh, uh, <laughs> Freeman at first, he is uh He's he's some player. He's a good player, good solid hitter, and uh, I see he's back at first. Uh, and I guess the experiment at third base was uh, was was because Matt Adams was there. And now he's gone. So uh, yeah, but, uh, Freeman is uh, he's just a, a machine. Yeah, and I you know he's I'm sure that uh, for Mets fans he's sort of the new Chipper Jones because I think he kills you guys, um, but he kills everybody. <laughs> I, Freeman is Freeman. Honestly, I, I know that I'm obviously biased, but just legitimately, he is one of the top five, six, seven batters in Major League Baseball right now. Um, the problem that we've had with Freeman is that he ends up getting hurt every year. He is seems to. And sometimes it's fluky stuff. Um, one time he was running the bases and a ball was thrown and hit right off the end of his thumb. Um, you know, weird stuff like that. So um, he's missed some time, but him healthy um, in the lineup. It's just right now the top of the Braves lineup. Um, Endurance Yarte is the leadoff guy who's great. He's sort of uh, gotten off to a slow start, but that's sort of his MO is that he starts slow. But um, they really... The way that the top of the lineup is is swinging the bat right now, um, and I think that's the biggest surprise is the offense of the Braves um, going into the year. I think that that you, it seemed like there was a lot of holes um, at a lot of different positions. You didn't really know what you were going to get with the catchers because we got two really old catchers who played great last year, but you know you just don't know coming back an extra year what you're going to have uh, third base was a question mark left field was a question mark markakis and right is old so you don't really know what you're going to get out of him and then dansby was coming back from a bad season ozzy's a rookie so you know we were really sort of concerned about what the offense was going to do and it's just exploded i mean it's it's been amazing uh you figure it's going to catch up to them at some point but it's sort of fun watching it right now that's what we say here. Enjoy it while it lasts, because it can it can end. But uh, you know, as you say, they've got a, a combination now of some youth and some uh, veterans, and maybe that's the that's the right shake uh, to it. Um, they they've also been pitching pretty good. Now, tell us a little bit about the pitching staff. Um, Dickey is gone now. Cologne is gone. So. Uh, um, you had to replace them with some young guys. So, uh, what are we looking at there? Yeah. So they, the, the old guy they have on their staff right now is, um, Annabelle Sanchez, who they picked up from the, he, to, he got released by the twins at the end of spring. So he is serving as the old man on the pitching staff and has pitched amazingly well, uh, shockingly well. Um, the number one, I guess, if you want to paint him that way is, is Julio Tehran, who his sort of gotten this weird they, they just started playing at SunTrust Park last year um, having moved over from Turner Field and Tehran couldn't pitch at SunTrust Park I mean his splits were unbelievable he was a really really solid pitcher on the road and has 
his splits at home were awful. He gave up tons of home runs. Um, his ERA was just ridiculous. And so, you know, it's sort of you, you, it's, what can you do with your number one pitcher can't pitch in your home stadium, you know? Um, and he had one really bad start, uh, at home. Um, and then has followed it up where, like you mentioned, we're playing the Phillies right now. And he pitched, um, last night, Monday night and pitched great, uh, only gave up one run. So Tehran is one of those guys that you feel like is on the cusp. I don't know that he's technically a number one. They're hoping they've got young guys, as you mentioned, um, Mike Fulton Evitz, who's sort of the, the fireball pitcher. Um, they've got, uh, Sean Newcomb, who is a lefty who's in his second season. And then I forgot the other old guy is Brandon McCarthy, who they got from the Dodgers. They traded Matt Kemp back to the Dodgers for some old guys. They, had Scott Casimir that they picked up in that deal too, and he is gone. Charlie Culberson, who's a uh, just sort of an infielder, backup infielder, they also got in that deal. So McCarthy has actually pitched really well too. So, yeah, so far it's it's sort of interesting that Tehran is the ace and he or the number one, whatever you want to call him. I mean, nothing like a number one that you guys have, but um, he's probably been the worst starting pitcher for them so far. And that's funny because, as you say, he uh, he always pitches good against the Mets. I don't know if we're going to see him. Uh, the only matchup I could see was uh, Sanchez is going against Harvey Thursday night. And then uh, everybody was to be determined for Atlanta. And I think you're going to get it to Syndergaard, DeGrom, and Wheeler. So. Um, yeah, I, let me see. I, th I thought I saw what ESPN had him listed. Let me see what I've got. So I've got that they have, they have Sanchez Harvey, as you mentioned, and then Sean Newcomb, who's the young lefty against Syndergaard, Tehran at home against DeGrom, and then Fulte on Sunday. And that's, I have a TBD from the Mets on that one. So I, I who, I, I don't know who is it, Gesselman or whoever goes after DeGrom, um, Steven Matz or Wheeler is Wheeler hurt? Yeah. Uh, no, Wheeler. Uh, Wheeler's pitching tonight. Okay. Uh, or he was pitching tonight with uh, and uh, Matz is pitching tomorrow. So my guess would be and Degrom pitched last night. So if all holds true, uh, be Wheeler. It'll be Wheeler in uh, Sunday's game. So and so this is like the first time. Not to throw questions back at you, but is I think I read that <laughs> like with with your pitching staff, this is like the first time they've really had all the guys that were projected to be this great pitching staff pitched together, yes. right? Isn't this the first time? Yeah, this this season, yes, without a doubt. It's it's the uh, first, because uh, Wheeler started, he was sent to the minors, but uh, Jason Vargas, who they picked up in the offseason, he got hit with a line drive in spring training in his non-pitching hand and got a, some sort of fracture. And That's so uh, he's still, uh, he's going to start a, a uh um, a rehab assignment soon, so he's he's not too far away. They want to make sure he's pretty good. But Wheeler came up uh, last week and pitched a very good game against the uh, Marlins, and uh, so this is his second shot back. He pitched okay tonight uh, against the uh, Nationals, but he gave up three runs. And um, but I got to tell you, they they didn't hit him hard. It was all a bunch of C and I base hits. Uh, I think there was a walk in there. Uh, like last night when uh, the Mets blew the game, the bullpen, uh, they couldn't find home plate. They needed a yeah. GPS to find a mound, I think, because they they walked like four guys. They hit a guy uh, and then like two C&I base hits, and all of a sudden they had six runs in. So um, they didn't really uh, – the Nationals is not, are not playing that great either, but uh, they got on a Wheeler a little bit early tonight, and uh, it's holding up so far. But we'll see; it's still a couple innings to go. But uh, yeah, we've played we've played six already against the Nationals and split. We took two down here, including um, pounding Mac, Max Scherzer in one game, and then split or took one of three up in Washington. So, uh, but yeah, you know, any game when the Nationals lose is a, is a great game. So, <laughs> And we swept the mass, so we don't want to get swept here, you know? Yeah, right, <laughs> sure. But, you know, I mean, with the, the way that it is in the East, and I, you know, I mean, I, I sort of, I don't know what you thought going into the season, but, I mean, you've got to figure the the Nationals are, 
at least I did, figured they would probably be the best team. And oh, yeah. then, mm-hmm. then the Mets, and then it would sort of be the Braves and the and the Phillies, who are another very young team. And the Phillies got a lot of talent, too. It's just I think that their, their manager is a clown and doesn't know how to manage on the major league level. But, um, you know, I think that the, – and then the Marlins are going to be awful. But I think it will yeah. be an interesting yeah. division, more so than it probably has been in the past couple of years when it was really just the Nationals and, you know – teams sort of and i mean obviously the injuries have killed the mets but mm-hmm. um and the you know and the and the braves have been tanking for the past seeming like eight years so <laughs> well no i do agree i i thought though i like i said before i have to admit i really thought with, with all the upheaval that the braves had i thought that was going to really affect them this year and and they've shaken it off and they, they're not showing any ill effects of it so um that's kind of a good thing. I mean, it, it's it's uh, good for baseball down there in the South because, uh, you know, certainly, as you say, the Marlins aren't going to uh, um, uh, show any, uh, you know, bring in any uh, people to baseball, but uh, a good Braves team can do that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, just I think that, I, and I mean, I, you know, the Braves – the Braves were terrible forever. Um, you've been a baseball fan long enough to know how bad the Braves were basically through the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst team in baseball. Um, and so really once the 90s got going, you know, they were up there with the Yankees. And so it's tough as a Braves fan, although you, you we sort of understood what it was they were doing. Um, but, I mean, you had a team that won 92, 93 games and had a bunch of guys who were in their early to mid 20s and they decided to get rid of all of them and start to rebuild the team um and that was a team that had lots of flaws i mean there's no doubt about it the pitching wasn't great and you had uh guys it was you know the team with hayward and with the upton Mm -hmm. brothers and dan ugla and that and those teams um and they hit lots of home runs and they struck out a lot. And when Coppola came in here, that's not the type of team that he wanted. He wanted a team that, you know, had an high OBP and didn't strike out a lot, maybe didn't have as much power. Um, and he so he started to dump all those guys to get whatever he could for them. And, and frankly, what he did was get us to have the best farm system in baseball, even with all the, as you mentioned, all the guys that we lost um, the penalty for the cheating with the international draft. Um, and there was a lot of guys that they lost. Kevin Maton obviously was the number one guy, but they lost quite a few high valuable prospects. Um, and you know, but they still, they've got so much talent, especially on the pitching side, which is great because, you know, some of the position players are sort of figuring it out. Um, and we've got a third baseman down in the farm. They've got a couple of catching prospects that are down in the farm. They have Acuna, obviously, who's going to come up and play left before too long. Um, and they've got another outfielder, Kristen Pache, who's a couple of years off. But there's a lot of really good players that are going to be coming up through the system in the next few years. Well, and and when Atlanta got that hot, you know, when they they became good in the nineties, it was it was essentially pitching, and then they added around that. So uh, it seems like they're on that track again. Yeah, I think that they've sort of called that the Braves' way down here, which sort of makes me roll my eyes because <laughs> the Braves' way, while it won a bunch of divisions, it only won one World Series, right? You know, so. Um, and frankly, as great, as brilliant, I guess, as as Hall of Fame caliber as Glavin and Maddox were, uh, they were sort of average in the postseason. Um, Smoltz was really the guy that was the dominant mm-hmm. postseason pitcher. Um, and he was always hurt because, you know, the, the, the fireballers tend to get hurt a lot more. Their elbows and shoulders tend to blow out a lot more because they're throwing it so hard. Um, and Maddox and Glavin made their careers just sort of picking at the outside of the plate and getting calls that weren't strikes, you know. I mean, they got those calls that were two or three inches outside of the plate. And when you got to the playoffs, they got squeezed um, or they got they didn't get those calls, I guess I should say. And uh, then when you're throwing a 90 mile an hour fastball and it's got to be over the plate because your breaking ball's not getting over, then it's infinitely more hittable. So, 
Well, though, though Glavin was the MVP in the 95 series. He was. I was at that game and he was brilliant. There's no doubt about it. One hitter. I mean, there's probably not too many one hitters in World Series clinching games. um, And he was amazing. Um, And he was, I mean, yeah, I mean, you unfortunately didn't got get the best Tom Glavin when you had him on the Mets. But yeah, as a young pitcher, he was great. But we had other guys like Steve Avery and Mm -hmm. guys like that who, you know, unfortunately, their careers were cut short because of arm issues. But I'll always think that the Braves should have more than the one World Series. They should at least have two. They should have at least beaten the Yankees in 96 when they were up 2 nothing coming back to Atlanta and blew that series. That's one that I will be rolling over in my grave about. Yes. I, I don't know what happened there, Curtis, but... <laughs> yes. Neither do I. Well, I have to tell you, um, I have, a, I guess I shouldn't let this out on Mets Musings, but uh, I've always liked the Atlanta Braves because um, when we first got cable, they were on the Superstation. And sure. you got every game on the Superstation. And uh, it was great because... You could, you know, uh, if the Mets played an afternoon game or something and the Atlanta was at night, it was like great. It was a doubleheader. My mother used to, my mother was a big baseball fan and she used to love it. She used to yeah. actually root for Atlanta, except when they played the Mets, of course. Well, but uh, that was, and that was even back when the Mets, I mean, the Atlanta was in the, the West. So it wasn't even like you were rooting for a division rival. You know, we were, when we came into the National League, we were out in the West. So all the right. teams that we played were the Dodgers and the, and that was when Cincinnati was in the West. That was mm-hmm. when they only had two divisions. But, uh, yeah, that was back when Turner owned the team, which there are people that are very still nostalgic, obviously, for Ted Turner. They were hoping that he would actually buy the team back at some point, and he's made it very clear that that's not in his checkbook. So, <laughs> Not anymore. Not, not anymore. these prices that are going. It, it's uh, crazy. Yeah. Uh, uh, look what they're doing in Miami. I mean, they spent all that money, and now they really can't afford it. I, I, I think I don't know. Uh, it just seems that way. We're dumping all the contracts and whatever. So, uh, well, it, my fear with baseball, like like a lot of other sports, unfortunately, we're now going through a rebuild with the Hawks. As if anybody has ever talked about the Atlanta Hawks on any <laughs> podcast anywhere, but that what's happening now and the current iteration of professional sports is other than maybe football because you can't really turn around NFL teams like that, but that you just, it's just, just con that you're basically having, unless you're like three or four teams that you just have this, you're having like a three year window, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you're tanking and then you're trying to rebuild and then you're going back to it. I mean, look at, look at the Royals. The Royals were terrible forever. They had all, they accumulated all those draft picks. They obviously got to the pinnacle. They, they won a world series and now they're back to where, you know, all those guys that they bought up through the system, they decided that they couldn't afford any of those guys anymore, even though the guy that owns the Royals is a billionaire. He can afford whatever he wants. <laughs> but he refused to sign all those guys once they needed big contracts. And now the Royals have to start all over again. And the Royals fans have to sit through that all over again. And I'm worried because here in Atlanta, we have, you know, the vacant um entity that owns the team liberty media which is not even based in atlanta it's based out in denver colorado Um, and if you ask me who runs liberty media i probably couldn't even tell you we're just sort of in their stat book somewhere and so my fear is that we get all these young guys to come up to the team and all this young talent and then it you know we have like three or four year window where we have to win the world series before they start picking and choosing which guys they want to resign and which guys they claim they can't resign. And we start the cycle all over again. And I just, I, I think it's very cynical and I think it's very unfair to fans who, you know, go out and spend their money at these to, to fund these stadiums and to, you know, pay these salaries effectively. And that we have to, you know, every five years we've got to watch a rebuild. Well, unless you can constantly, uh, uh, replenish your farm system and keep the talent coming that way. But that becomes hard also when when you're uh, winning because you're drafting lower and you're not doing it. So then, you, then you've got to trade well and uh, hope you can do that. But um, how is the new ballpark? Uh, I remember, we I think it was you and I were talking and, and 
you weren't real happy with it because you would have had to travel further. Yeah, it's so it's um, it's in a suburb um, of Atlanta, uh, Cobb County, which is sort of northwest of the city. Um, and um, there's not Atlanta if for anyone who's been down here. Atlanta does not have great mass transit. Um, it's more of a car. I mean, it's mm-hmm. obviously notorious for its traffic um, and it's more people are mainly in their cars. And one of the reasons they're in the cars is because we don't have any sort of mass transit system. <laughs> so you can't really get out to uh, SunTrust Park via any other way other than your car. So that's the biggest drawback for me. Um, I wish there was a train that went out there mm-hmm. to, so you could get off at the stadium. Um, the parking is not great because it's basically in the middle of a bunch of um, office buildings. And so you have to sort of park at these various office buildings located all over the place. And so inevitably you got to walk a far away. The stadium is, it's great. I mean, it's, it's a brand new stadium. It's, it's very nice, but it's just, I wish it was downtown. Um, I wish they had set up a complex like a lot of other cities have because the new George dome or the Mercedes dome is right next to Phillips arena where the Hawks play and the Falcons play obviously. And there's a gulch down there where they could have put, um, SunTrust park, but they got a big deal from Cobb County. Um, so you know, let the let the Cobb County taxpayers pay for it instead of the city of Atlanta taxpayers. <laughs> so, but it is it's a great park. I I would encourage I, if you've got if you've got fans that uh, you know like to come and visit um, visitor parks. Um, you, it's it's a it's a beautiful park. It's a great place, and they've got this area called the Battery all around it, which is restaurants. There's a hotel out there. There's a concert venue. There's all sorts of cool stuff that's out there right around it. So. It, you can come and you can stay right there. You know, I mean, if you came and saw a weekend series or something mm-hmm. like that, you can come and do it. You don't really have to leave the area. But um, if you don't live in that area, it's not super convenient. Now, as you say, there isn't at the area there that they're really building it up to support this whole thing. Um, do they have any future plans to run mass transportation out there, building a train line, uh, bus service, anything like yeah. that? So they've got Cobb County has its own um, uh, transit system. The Cobb County Transit System, I guess, is in essence what it's called. And the and the the transit system in Atlanta is called MARTA. Um, and so at some point along the line, MARTA connects with Cobb County Transit for people you know that are coming in from Cobb County. So there is a way. You would just have to make a bunch of transfers. Now mm-hmm. they've recently because of the all the movies and everything that are filmed here and and a lot of companies that have looked at moving to Atlanta one of their big problems the big Amazon second headquarter you know Atlanta's rumored to be at the top of one of those lists and so one of the big complaints that a lot of these companies have is the mass transit system and the traffic and millennials you know that's high on their list uh, that's um, you know, the people that are working for these companies, they want to live in town. They want to, they want, they don't want cars, they want bikes and they want mass transit. So Atlanta, to their credit, it's just, unfortunately, it's about 20 years too late bef- since when they should have done, been doing this. But yeah, so they are talking about, um, putting something into place. It's just, it's obviously going to have to take a while and, mm-hmm. you know, to build something like that up, it, you know, however old the, the transit system in New York is 120 years <laughs> yeah, or something like know. that. So, um, and if you've been to DC, the, the Marta system started at the same time as the Metro did in DC and the Metro in DC is amazing. And mm-hmm. so it's just unfortunate they didn't follow the same path, but yeah, it is in the plans. It's just, it grows more expensive by the day. Um, and so we'll see if they have the, the wherewithal and they, there's sort of a split between the, the city of Atlanta and the broader state of Georgia. There's a lot of animosity between those two entities. So sometimes things that only directly benefit Atlanta, the rest of the state and the state leadership is not so anxious to make it happen. Well, the other big question that we would have, uh, I'm sure the Mets would want to know this. What is the weather like down there? (laughs) Uh, it's weird. Um, it's been insanely cold, um, for Atlanta for April. Um, I, you know, it was, and I know that being in New York, you, you guys 
wouldn't have much sympathy, but when it's <laughs> when it's 50 degrees like it was yesterday, 40, it was 30 something degrees yesterday morning um, on April 16th. That's pretty uncommon, shall we say, mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Um, and it actually is warmed up today, but um, so it's actually a really nice day today. But yeah, it's it's just weird. It's been uh, all this weather that's been hitting everybody else. It's it's been hitting Atlanta too. We've gotten more snow than we've had in the past. It's been a lot colder than it has in the past. It's rained a lot, so it's yeah, it's not been the greatest. My my sons play. Uh, baseball, Little League baseball, and their schedules are so backed up because of all the rainouts and, frankly, the cold outs that they had. You know, yeah. I mean, when you're 10 years old, and frankly, when you're a 10 year old parent, you really don't want to be sitting out when it's 30 degrees outside watching <laughs> no. a baseball game. So um, maybe a hockey game, but. Yeah, right. <laughs> and baseball starts so much earlier down here than I'm sure it does up there because of the weather, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, so they've been going for a month and a half in their baseball season and it's really backed up. So they've got a lot of games that they have wow. to make up over the next few weeks. Well, the weather's been terrible all across the baseball map. And uh, it's just, I don't know. I don't know if it's because they started earlier. The, the gods are saying, uh, no, don't start earlier in the year. Uh, or what we're just having a freaky year and uh it's just incredible yeah well the braves played in denver and this earlier this season and it was the coldest games ever on record in denver which is crazy to think about how long the rockies have been around um and then they just played in chicago and it was like 20 something degrees when they played in Chicago. You talked mm-hmm. about the Mets and their terrible inning of the bullpen. The Braves, that game when it was 27 degrees, gave up nine runs on three hits. They hit two batters. They walked a bunch of guys. It was awful. And it, they just collapsed. They were up 10 to three and ended up losing the game 14 to 10. And it was nine runs on three hits, which doesn't even seem possible. Well, it, <laughs> I believe it after seeing what happened uh, <laughs> with the Mets, so uh, it, it can happen. Well, Curtis, as always, a uh, lot of fun having you on. I'm so glad you could come on and enjoy it. And why don't you tell the folks a little bit about uh, your podcast and, and the blog and uh, where they can find it. Sure. Uh, it's called Atlanta Baseball Talk. It's me and two other guys, Steve and Hamilton. Um, this is actually our 10th season doing the show. So uh, it is a, a, a labor of love. Um, we do it every Sunday night and then post it. It's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. It's on, you know, wherever you can find podcasts. We're on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, the the Twitter handle is at ATL Baseball Talk because Atlanta Baseball Talk was too long. So at ATL Baseball Talk. But yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, we 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 really looking forward to actually for once covering a team that wins a playoff series uh, because in 10 years we have not had one of those. Um, but yeah, so that's that's our next objective with the show. Maybe we'll retire <laughs> after we get a playoff series win. Well, I want to thank you again. Good luck to the Braves the rest of the year, and except when they play the Mets, as I always say. (laughs) And I'll be back right after this. Looking for great Cardinals talk? Then check out Conversations with C70. My name is Daniel Shoftaw, and I talk with some of the great bloggers on the Internet today about their teams. But it always goes back to the Cardinals. Find the latest episode on my website, www.cardinal70.com, or at BaseballPodcast.net. Did you know that Baseball PhD can be heard on BaseballTalkRadio.com? Our shows rotate with other top baseball podcasts. Now don't forget, that's BaseballTalkRadio.com. With us, we'll help you get a PhD in life through baseball. With BaseballTalkRadio.com, you'll hear the rest of the excellent universe of baseball podcasts. 516-619-6341. That is the comment 
voicemail hotline if you'd like to be a part of the show and drop us a line leave us a comment or a voicemail question anything at all call that number 516-619-6341 or go to metsmusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen and that's a speak pipe and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way, send us an email at metsmusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash metsmusings. And the Twitter handle is at metsmusings1. With all the Mets news, it is the news from around the world and around the corner. Here's Gary Mack. And I'm back, and uh, thanks to Curtis Gill once again for a terrific interview. Um, it's not getting off to the start we would like in Atlanta, but, uh, you know, hopefully they can right the ship to four-game series. Three out of four, we'll see. Maybe they still can come back in this one, but uh, they are down six to nothing. All right, um, some news and notes. Uh, Hansel Robles was sent down. And uh, Gerson Bautista was brought up in uh, uh, to the big club. Uh, Travis Darno did have a, a Tommy John surgery, so goodbye, Travis. He'll be gone for the season, at least for the year. Um, who knows if he's will be back in a Mets uniform? Um, let's see what else. Kevin Plawecki was uh, put on the disabled list with a broken hand. I think it should be. Two to three weeks, perhaps. He's coming up. To, uh, it'll be 10 days on Monday. He's on a 10-day disabled list. I expect them to uh, renew that or whatever they have to do to get it going, to keep it going um, longer. So uh, that'll be an, another thing. Um, so as I said earlier, they're, they're going to go with Naito and uh, Lobaton for the time being. We'll see how that pairs out, but I do not like that situation. I think they uh, have to make a trade and bring in a veteran catcher here. So, four in Atlanta, three in St. Louis. What a weird <laughs> road trip this is. Then they go to San, San Diego. So, I don't know. They're going to work their way across the country uh, to play this road trip. But uh, kind of crazy the way it's set up. But, hey. This is the way they do things nowadays. All right. Well, you know, keep your hopes up. We're still in first place. We're still at 13 and 4. And uh, till the next time, remember, keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets.